Welcome to Inside the 18. I'm Michael Magid, and with me, we don't know where Trevor Styles is, but we do have the OG, O to the Z, Omar Zini. What's up, dude? How are you? I'm great, Mike. Thank you for that intro. That was beautiful. My parents will love that. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, it's, it's going to be interesting to do this without, uh, without Trev's lovely snide comments coming through, but, uh, <laughs> but that's okay because we got a special guest with us today, and that is uh, Real Salt Lake goalkeeper coach Todd Hofford. Todd, we've got you in a quiet, quiet location somewhere in the Real Salt Lake training facility. Uh, how are you this morning? I'm doing great. Actually, I'm in the stadium. I'm at the Riot this morning, so uh, a little bit <laughs> more special in one of the offices. Actually, our team admin's office. Oh, that's that's incredible. I love the fact for uh, for those of you guys who are listening right now, uh, before we started recording, Todd was trying to find a, a quiet location. So he gave us a virtual tour of uh, of the stadium as we were going through. I kind of felt like I was in one of those 360 uh, degree CGI uh, representations on SeatGeek to, uh, <laughs> to find the right seat. And uh, and Todd apparently has found a seat uh, nowhere near uh, the fields, uh, but uh, nice by a monitor and uh and ready to go um so before we get going guys uh, a couple things uh, first off uh thank you to everybody who's been subscribing and writing reviews that's really awesome of you i know you guys are getting some gift cards from aviata want to let you guys know for the next week uh anybody who writes a review subscribes sends their screenshot to us either at podcast at aviata sports or actually you can send it directly to me at la goalkeeping academy on our, our social media platforms or la goalkeeping academy at gmail.com uh you're gonna get a free world cup comedy tour uh scarf from last year's tour from the inaugural tour so uh that's a solid 20 dollar value so uh we would really appreciate it if you guys keep subscribing and reviewing and i would tell omar to keep promoting it but he hasn't been promoting he's been too busy shooting his uh videos in irvine that you guys are <laughs> gonna be able to check out for pro gk academy so uh, I, I, have, I have to give him a little bit of stick for that my USL like, guys are leaving me, man. I have, I have, uh, I got a few USL guys I'm training right now that are leaving in like mid January. So I'm just getting as much footage as I can. I got like two or three extra sessions that I'm still editing. So yes, I am busy, but I will make it happen. You don't have to try to, uh, promote yourself to Todd. It's okay. He'll, <laughs> he'll, he'll vouch for you. He's like, I got some USL guys. I got some, <laughs> I got some NWSL women that are coming next week. Uh, the week after that, I've got like everybody on Bundesliga winter break. They're all coming. <laughs> no problem. Everyone's I'm, I'm always willing to talk and look at goalkeepers, so no, no problem. <laughs> um, so uh, let's uh, let's let's kind of get into this uh, this week's topic while we while we got a chance um, because I was going to talk about my men's league exploits this past uh, Monday playing in the Premier League here in Southern California, where I had some incredible double and triple saves. But Todd and I were already talking about the difference between blocking and uh and handling a ball and i don't want to look like one of those guys who just blocks a ball so let's not go into the two <laughs> free save uh exploits of myself so let's talk about what todd's been great about the last uh few years which is he's been running uh for those of you who are unfamiliar uh the one-on-one -on -one soccer schools um one of the best nationwide programs you know in the past decade or so uh a very very successful program now todd's obviously uh, slowed that down a little bit but he's got some winter camps coming up right I do. Yeah, this is, believe it or not, this is my 25th year doing it, which is hard to believe, which incredible. a little bit. But uh, yeah, I've toned it down a little bit in the last couple of years. We used to do them all around the country uh, for many, many years and locations, I think like 10 to 12 locations in the summertime. But now I've usually, now I pretty much do one in the summer uh, back home uh, in Pennsylvania, and I'm doing another one this winter. So uh, just a one day, which I'm really looking forward to. One going back home, 
uh, to see some friends and family and some of the kids that I've uh, worked with a lot over the past few years. Now, one thing, one of the reasons we wanted to have you on is because we wanted to do this because a lot of people have been asking us, oh, why aren't you running a goalkeeper camp? Why aren't you doing this? Why aren't you doing that? Or how do I run a good goalkeeper camp? Or, hey, should I just get some flyers and, and bring some kids out? And uh, I thought, what better person to bring on than yourself to really give people some, uh, some guidance on how to run a successful goalkeeper camp? And by people, I mean Omar Zini, who literally asks <laughs> every other day how to run a goalkeeper camp. He's like, I think I got this idea. We should do this and that. I'm like, that's awesome. That's sweet, man. I have $75,000 waiting for that right now. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I do not. That's why I'm doing this uh, at my computer at home. Uh, so let's talk about this. What are the main three resources you need in order to run a good goalkeeper camp? Uh, I think in my opinion, uh, if I'm putting my name and my stamp on, on a camp or a clinic, um, you know, three things come to mind. One is what's your quality of staff? Uh, for me, you know, it's getting the most professional staff that you possibly can. Um, you know, that's probably the number one. Number two, which is probably a very close second, um, if not even a number one, is facilities. Uh, I think you have to have a quality facility. Uh, quality fields, whether it's indoor, whether it's outdoor, um, to actually do all the training on. Uh, so those kind of go hand in hand. Uh, for for me, a, a third is the professionalism uh, that you're going to bring, not only on the field that day, whether it's you know how you're registering, how you're marketing it. You know, are you professional in everything you're going to do in that regard? You know, what do your flyers look like? What does your website look like? Uh, what's your registration looking like? And then on the day, you know, what is what is that experience like for the, the how easy is that experience for the players when they arrive? Um, what are the actual sessions looking like? Um, you know, how organized are you? Uh, and then for me, what's your follow up? And for me, that's very, very important. Mm -hmm. I never want to do a program where I'm showing up on a Saturday. I'm here for two hours, three hours, three days, whatever. And then I'm gone. You know, I want to have follow up uh, with these goalkeepers for the biggest reason. I, I was never fortunate enough to really have the, the opportunity that the goalkeepers have now to get training. So I always wanted to try to be that mentor uh, to all the kids that I train in whatever program I'm doing that, hey, if you need, if you need additional help, I'm here for you. It might just be a question. Uh, here's my cell phone. I give all the kids my cell phone. They can text me. They can call me. They can email me. So I want to try to be that, that mentor. Uh, so the follow-up for me after the actual training period, whether it's a one day clinic or whether it's a week long camp, uh, I think is at least for me, uh, if I'm putting my name on it, uh, that's, that's very, very critical for me. You know, Todd, you were mentioning the facilities <laughs> thing and, uh, that's actually really important in my opinion, because, uh, I don't know how much time you spent in Southern California, but Omar and I can attest to this, that, uh, let's just say facilities, uh, good hard facilities, to yeah. hard to come by. And, uh, and that really, really makes a big difference in regards to, like you're saying, the professionalism, but also the service um, that, that you're going to be able to provide the goalkeepers. Um, if you can't get good service because the field conditions are poor, uh, it's going to lead to a poor session, in my opinion, um, and, and the goalkeepers aren't going to get the best out of it. So we've, I've always kind of felt, and I don't know how you feel about this, but the less is more strategy, you know, rather than trying to do 
you know, 20 sessions because you can get a cheaper rate, you know, by on one certain field, you know, spend that little bit of extra money to get that one nice facility and do a nice solid one week. Um, and, uh, and then hire more faculty for that week type of a thing. So I agree a hundred percent. And it's, you know, not only just for service as well. Um, we all have all been on fields that are rock hard as well, you know? So when you look at it from the actual participants perspective, where if you're doing some diving, how fair is it for that goalkeeper that now that you're asking them to do a low dive or a collapse dive and you're obviously we all are looking for repetitions. How fair is it to that young goalkeeper that to be constantly hitting the ground on a bad surface? You know, so, um, yeah, I think this actual serving is key. You know, if you're asking a kid to scoop up a ball and <laughs> there's so many ruts on the field that you're never getting a true role for that goalkeeper to get good quality repetitions because of the bad service. But then as well, they're also diving around or hitting the ground on a very, very hard surface, that's not very good for their body, especially on a young goalkeeper that's just learning their trade. I think you're just asking for a goalkeeper that doesn't want to become a goalkeeper because now all of a sudden their body hurts. Um, you know, I think you got to put them in the best environment you possibly can where they can get quality service, but also that they're going to take care of their body because that's, that's part of the technique and what the technique is, is so they can preserve their body. Michael, yeah. question real quick. Yeah. Todd, you, don't uh, have to, you don't have to ask me, you know, I'm not the teacher. I mean, <laughs> the, way, the way Omar did that, he's like, my quick question is like, I'm like, are you raising your hand? You no, I just don't want to cut anybody off. I don't want to, I don't want to be, not, not be rude. Uh, but Todd, quick question. So uh, when you, when I have my camps, you know, for the first few times I, I did them, I was just trying to get as many kids as I could out there. And, you know, it's, it's good and bad. Obviously the, the way the optics, it looks good. You have a lot of kids out there, but when you really get down to the, Nitty gritty, you see different levels, different you know, different types of keepers who just don't. Like this past camp, I had two academy kids, and I had a bunch of kids. The, the, the parity level was huge. Um, so when you have your camps, do you have, let's say, an elite camp, or you have like the the academy, like the best players that come out, and then you have we a week later, a few days later, you have another camp for the goalkeepers who are just learning, or do you have them all come at once, and then you have you know, tell the goalkeeper coaches you're going to have the, the the elite group, you're going to have the uh, supplemental group. You know what I mean? Do you have, is that how you guys operate or how do you guys do it? Uh, I think it depends on the clinic or the camp. Uh, for for like a clinic, like say for example, the clinic that I'm doing in, in December, uh, the end of December, um, I've basically blocked it off to a number. So mm -hmm. I'm going to have about 30 goalkeepers there. So max, because it goes back to the staff. I know what staff I can that I have allocated for me. Uh -huh. And if I go over and above that, I mean, I'm one for, I want quality versus quantity. So exactly. I know if I have 30 goalkeepers there, it's me and two or three other people that I know and trust because they've been with me and know exactly what I'm looking for. Just saying, you know, I only know I have two or three people that I know and trust that I want goalkeepers, but you know what? We're going to bring in 60. Jeez. Well, now all of a sudden, I've got to come up and get find additional staff that maybe I don't that don't really have the qualifications that I'm looking for. Yeah. But now it's a little what I would say is a little bit watered down. Uh, I I am on one that I'd rather take less and give them high quality than let's bring in the masses and the quality of my staffing is going to be a little bit lower. 
Uh, I want to make sure that, in, at least in my programs, I, I want the, the quality to be very, very high uh, in not only what we're bringing to them, but what we're going to get back from those kids. So, for example, um, it's difficult, as you all know, we've all been and run sessions where you might have 10 kids. Well, what if those 10 kids are all in various ages, various abilities? Oh, you mean Omar's session yesterday? Uh. <laughs> and it's difficult, you know, and I look at it as it's not only difficult to coach that, but I look at it from the other side as well. I've got a 17-year-old that's decent and an 11-year-old that's decent. Yes, you can do it. And we're, we are in an individual position, and it, it's a little bit easier for us to do it than if you had an outfield player session of varial you know, very various ages and abilities. It's very difficult to do that. We it's yeah. an easier time for us, but go in this go in the mindset of a 17 year old, and now they're training side by side with an 11 year old. That's not always something that they're going to be too thrilled about. Yeah. Uh, regardless if it's me and him for a couple reps, and then I move over and it's me and the 11 year old for a couple reps. It's always going to be in the back of their mind. Oh, I've got a, a younger player. You know, they want to be pushed. So I try as best I possibly can to make sure when I'm grouping them that I know I've got allocated for 11 to 12-year-olds at this particular level, and I've got a staff member specifically for that. Yeah, and I've got it for the next age group and ability level. So I'm covering my bases if I, want, if I know I have 30, 30 kids. So let's talk, let's talk a little bit about that, though, because in my mind, there's, you know, and this has obviously been a big debate, and this is not just about summer camps, but this is in charge to youth goalkeeper training in general, uh, but the age versus ability slash gender variables. And I have a situation right now where I have, it's funny, you just mentioned 11 year old, I have a 10 year old training with two 14s. Uh, the reason is, is because that 10 year old needs to be training with those two 14s. It's only going to be to the benefit of that 10 year old, the 10 year old physically is at the level of those 14-year-olds, uh, that those 14-year-olds are not as technically proficient as that 10-year-old. Uh, therefore, it balances it out, and actually, it actually leads to a great session. Is that something that you would be okay with in a summer camp setting if you move a kid up uh, a division, um, even if you're not the staff that's specifically working with that kid? A hundred percent. You know, I'll give you an example. Um, when I was with the youth national teams, we would get questioned or we would always recommend or people would always ask us, well, what about playing up is playing up something that the national team program advises. And we would always kind of laugh and chuckle and be like, and almost use the reverse psychology and say, well, why would you not want to put, or why would you want a player to play down? Cause you would never, you want a player to play down. So it's, it's, it's that type of mentality of, yeah, it's not just age. It's all about ability, in my opinion. And you know, with the youth national teams, you know, if you've got a, uh, a kid that's 15 and they're able to play with the U20s, why would you want them to play down? You know, you want them, you want them to be up at the highest level they possibly can. It's, so it's, it's, it's not about age, it's about ability, you know, unless – it became for me, it if it all of a sudden becomes a physically, it becomes detrimental to that particular player because physically they can't keep up or they're going to get injured. That's a different conversation. But if if that 10-year-old can train 
with the 14 year olds, by all means, why would I want them to play down to the 10 year olds if they're able to play up with the 14 year olds? Yeah, yeah I, I think, think uh, no, go ahead. No, I think uh, you make a good point. Todd. Yeah. I think from, for any kids that I train that are a little bit younger, um, I always put it upon the uh, older kids. I say, look, you know, you were probably in this position before and I would like you to please, you know, encourage this goalkeeper. If you see any mistakes or you see any issues, you know, go ahead and raise them. I want you to feel like a mentor to these kids. And same thing we did when I was at the Galaxy Academy, our goalkeeper coach, we were the 16s, <clears throat> 16s and the 18s. And the 18s pretty much became our older brothers. Um, pretty much, you know, hey, like this, this footwork needs to be done this way. You should do this, this, this. And the service never varied. It was always the same, but just, uh, you know, the kind of mentorship of the older kids. And it also helps them as well. You know, they're probably 14 looking with a 10-year-old. They're they're having to mature, they're expediting their maturity as well by having to help a younger kid. And it helps them as well. Just be more empathetic. I, I would say just helps them with like, you know, uh, characteristics if we're getting off the field stuff. But, um, but yeah, that's, that's one, what's, what's one positive that I would say would be a benefit to uh, the older kids to train with the younger kids is to allow them to kind of get and really help them out. Well, and it's almost, you know, and this is kind of one of the, the focal points of my programs is I want to teach that goalkeeper to be their own coach. Because nine yes. times ten, they're going to be by themselves. You know, if you look at most clubs, will have a goalkeeper coach or goalkeeper trainer these days. But does that mean every time they go to a training session, they got a goalkeeper specific coach? Nope. Nope. It, that, that's very very rare. <laughs> um, so we want them to be their own coach. If you're like you just said, you're putting them in a situation where they're a mentor. Well, now they actually have to coach a little bit. And anytime you've got to regurgitate that information, you're telling that. They're telling you whether or not they really understand and grasp the information if they're able to regurgitate it. So I think that's fantastic. So, and goalkeepers are a little bit unique. I mean, you will notice every time we do an overnight program, the outfield, and we have outfield players that, that attend, um, but when they're in our goalkeeper program, they're just on goalkeeping. They just happen to be at the same facility as the outfield players. <laughs> and it's bizarre that the, the ages it doesn't matter if they're nine years old or they're 18 years old. When they go to eat in the dining halls or they're hanging out in the dormitories, all the goalkeepers hang out together. The outfield players, you could have 10-year-olds and 18-year-olds, and they won't even speak to each other. <laughs> so it's goalkeepers are different. You know? is, yeah. I, I think they, they kind of uh, they, they enjoy being around each other because they, they know they're a little bit isolated, you know, at most of the time yeah so um they're able to to grasp the fact that they can mentor each other a little bit a little bit easier great yeah yeah uh hold on a second guys (laughs) there you go as uh as some of you may have heard i don't know if we're going to keep this in the editing or not but trevor styles is just joining us here on inside the 18 this is a cameo appearance by trevor styles late in the recording actually not late in the recording we're still i don't know 45 minutes into uh opening questions no Uh, (laughs) We're uh we're just we've just been talking about summer camps. Uh, Trev, what's going on in uh, Victoria today? You know, my my kid was in my room early at one a.m. No one slept. I just woke up a little while ago. My alarm didn't really go off. My Google Calendar somehow like desynced, unsynced everything, and I sat there and just went, "Oh crap!" So there we are. So uh, good morning. <laughs> it's all good, dude. Omar, it's all good. good to see you, Omar. Face looks good today. You've been using, uh, proactive. I see. Good morning. Good morning. Yeah. Todd, uh, Todd, do you know that that Omar keeps a little camera thing covered on his thing so the FBI won't track him down? And he, he I was wondering, is every, I can see everybody else, but his is just a blank screen. It's a it's a real thing. Uh, this, this this isn't a joke. I'm t- he he actually doesn't like he has a cover on it. 
Yeah. All right, all right, let's move really, on. Man. It's, it's, really, it's really uncomfortable. Um, so, Trev, just to catch you up on what we've been talking about, and we're going to keep all of this in the editing, by the way, Omar, because this is gold. This is literally gold. Alfred, how are you, buddy? <laughs> Doing all right. Hanging when, in there. When, nice when, when, like. What's that? Nice and chilly today in Salt Lake. You know, I, I looked outside my house today, and there was frost for the really for the first day. Uh, I don't like frost. It's sunny and blue, but I don't really care for the cold. So you must be freezing right now. Well, you know, I will, I've had this question many, many times over the last year and a half about the weather out here. And the weather here is so much more mild than the East Coast. The cold's not really cold. It's that dry, deserty cold, isn't it? It's, it's dry. Yeah, yeah, it's nice. Back East, it's ridiculous. It's, Guys, yeah. all seven subscribers are just riveted by your weather talk. And so... <laughs> Continue it on, but actually, it's a great- I, I, I was I, on, on a note. I was having a chat with uh, with Ramondo real quick over a direct message on Instagram the other day when he was down Same in Portland about, about some breweries. Um, and I told him I, I mentioned I was going to get you to try to harass him to uh, to buy a pro deflect. So just you know, make sure you kind of push that. I will because I'm supposed to be meeting with him here sometime in the next couple of days. Talk about pre. So just so you know, just so you know, New York City FC is putting a big order in for mannequins and pro deflect and some other stuff out of nowhere. So I just want you to keep up with the times. That's all I'm saying. This is well, incredible. We got we got Omar <laughs> plugging the USL keepers he's working with. <laughs> Fred talking about the MLS squads that are already putting in giant orders for bulk. And uh, I mean, it's like everyone's trying to impress Todd, but me. <laughs> just trying to keep this this ship afloat. Um, Segwaying, talking about weather, though, let's talk about the difference between running a camp in the winter or the summertime. Uh, Todd, you're just talking, obviously, you've got your winter camps coming up. As a young goalkeeper coach, um, a lot of different factors go into running a winter camp versus a summer camp. Obviously, you've got weather going on. Obviously, you've got the, uh, the time window, which is shorter for the winter than you do for the summer. Obviously, facilities are, are much more available in the summertime. Uh, what's your recommendation for somebody who, who's just starting out? Uh, I think just, again, it goes back to facilities, you know, and what region of the world are you in? Uh, you guys in Southern California, you're able to go, still go outside in the, summer, in the winter months. You know, well, not today, but yeah. Bearable. Um, for us in the Northeast or even here in Salt Lake, I tell you what, it'd be a pretty chilly to be outside. Um, so, again, you, you got to think about the mindset of those goalkeepers that are going to be training and being outside. And do they really want to be out and what's their focus going to be like? Uh, if they've got to be in 20 degree weather, you know, and now on frozen tundra or on AstroTurf. So you got to look at, you know, is there access to indoors? And then if there's indoors, okay, what's that surface look like? Is it a hardwood gym floor or is it, you know, the nice new plush AstroTurf? Uh, you know, and then you got price points that you got to deal with to get those facilities. So you got to kind of look at the whole gauntlet of, of opportunities for you, you know, your facilities. And again, it, it all goes down to that facility. Um, you know, what's your price points and what you can, what you can deal with and what kind of numbers you're going to need to be able to get, to be able to afford to go inside. Cause sometimes, especially in the Northeast, when you're looking at December and January and that's these indoor facilities peak time, they're charging you top dollar. How much? We're talking like 200 an hour uh and up sometimes yeah oh yeah. so you, you trap does just something in his backyard he just uh throws a tarp over it and uh just has yeah to you, know, you know it's funny my backyard now is big enough that i could if i cut down the one tree which will be going cut down another one i could fit an 18 yard box yeah could you really yeah 
That's incredible. You should do that. No, I'm building a little mini stadium for my kid. It's going to be like a, like a mini kind of little court. And then Tottenham, just Tottenham, Tottenham seats everywhere. You know, a little score thing, a little pop-up nets. That'd be That's fantastic. A- that's I'll send amazing. you photos. It's only it's only grass I'm going to cut perfectly every day. Like that weird old crazy person. But are 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 your kids going to be like number nines or something like that though? My kids going to be a holding striker or a false nine. Yeah, she's never going in goal. And the second one is coming up. My wife's going to try to probably make that one a sailor. So, yeah, my child's <laughs> my, my child's never ever playing goal. That's just the worst thing. We all know this. It's so I mean, it's the most amazing thing. It's our craft. It's what we love. It is by far the worst thing you can do to anyone on this planet is parents like oh my child loves playing goal i'm like get them out right away go put them up front if they want to have a nice happy life go be a holding striker go look at van nistor the guy did nothing for 15 years and scored poachy goals made millions of dollars that's what you want to be remember edson buttle i would always joke around that edson buttle would literally walk for for 90 minutes and then happen to be in the right place at the right time head the ball in and be a hero yeah he's got way more money than all of us combined times 10 yeah not that money helps but uh money helps and that, that's nothing against Edson Buttle. I'm not trying to like... Uh, Everyone has a role to play, bro. That's, yeah. that's what some people do. No, uh, two, three hundred bucks an hour. That's, that's, you need to put a lot of kids in there. You got to pack that money. Because I see some guys on their, like, the Instagram channels doing their videos. And they're, they're legitimately like in an indoor facility, which has green cement. And they have them like, doing their hurdles and doing this. And then they're diving, jumping onto mats. And I'm like, that just looks like crap. <laughs> do you just, are you just talking about Nate failing? Nate Failing's Instagram videos? Uh, no, no, I like Nate Failing's different. We're talking, this is some other ones. I got nothing against Nate Failing. He's a homie. I love him. But no, this is, but like, I mean, Nate, you see Nate stuff. He's in a bigger area. This is area is like the size of like 20 by 20. Like there's no room. Like I, yeah. I understand you're trying to put a session in, but how, how you can't go strike a ball from a 15 yard angle into yeah. a shift position set into coming across the goal. Like you're just doing repetition, dynamic movement, repetition, dynamic movement. If that's your only training, you're killing yourself. Yeah. yeah. What I was fortunate enough uh, back in Pennsylvania, I, I had an indoor facility that uh, that I operated for many, many years, our programs during the winter. And after a few years of me paying by the uh, and me being the one that always had to do with the marketing, and basically they were just renting me the facility, I went to them and said, look, let's partner with this. You know, we share in the marketing, we share in the profit. Um, so... Now, all of a sudden, that indoor facility obviously has a massive database to market from. So we partnered and we did a 50-50 split, which, to be honest, it was a lot less stress for me knowing that, oh, man, I only have a handful of kids that can maybe register with this particular program. I'm either losing money or breaking even or whatever. Now, if I'm doing a partner, I didn't have to worry about and stress over, oh, I need to have six kids or seven kids or eight kids or whatever in this particular session in order to break even. Um, you know, and, and it's that, that does get stressful. Sometimes you get in those situations where you're paying top dollar per by the hour. You do get stressed that you have to have a certain amount of kids. And some of these inner facilities, if you have to cancel, you're eating that money. So, and I've been in those situations where, you know, I've lost money. And, you know, obviously nobody really wants to do this. I'm, I'm certainly not out to make millions and millions of dollars or I'd be in a different field. But at the end of the day, you, your, your time is valuable and you want to at least come away with something uh, for your time. So I would definitely recommend if you've got indoor facilities uh, or any facility for that matter to partner with them. Um, that would be my biggest recommendation to anybody looking to do things like this. 
I, I just realized why Omar has the the drapes over his uh, camera because he he's embarrassed by the fact that while he's we're doing the podcast is he's just taking notes the entire time <laughs> on everything that Todd and Trevor are saying, going like, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to do this. Oh no, this is actually a better idea. I listen uh, to the podcast all the time. So I always take notes. So <laughs> Omar's just, Omar's just a sponge for information as we always joke about on, on the pod. Um, so before we, we, we wrap up on summer camps, uh, because as, as I was joking with Todd on the, the phone yesterday, as I was driving through the rain, uh, which is not a good suggestion in California. Don't do that. Don't drive in the rain and talk on the phone at the same time, even on speaker, because, uh, nobody knows how to drive in the rain here, uh, especially <laughs> on first rains. Um, you know, we didn't, we said, yeah, well, we're not going to do two hours on summer camps, but just before, uh, obviously, college ID camps have become all the rage uh, in the past decade or so. And you've been talking about how one-on-one has been able to stay successful you know, in the last 25 years, despite you know, the rise of the ID camps. 25 years? What do, you, what do you bring to the table? He brings Todd Hofford. He brings he's an MLS goalkeeper coach. He brings credibility. He brings experience. Some of the people that run these camps, no offense to some of them, I have the resume of the guy who dropped off the Amazon package at my house yesterday. Well, okay. Well, Trev, I'm glad you, uh, I'm glad you get to plug somebody that's an Aviata sponsor. Uh, but, uh, I, I want to ask Todd, uh, from his point of view, but, uh, but, uh, I love you, Trev. It's okay. Are you talking right now? I'm talking to all of us. So, uh, Omar, Todd, is someone talking? I hear this, this, this ramble in the background. Of, you know, I'm not sure. <laughs> all right. No, but, but seriously, you, you have, so you have someone to go. Talking? I can't hear anyone. So how do you tell the kids, hey, this is going to be beneficial because this is purely educational? You know, it's when you go to those ID camps, a lot of times it's just uh, – smell that. It smells like money. Okay. Yeah, I, I think with ID camps, you, you do have to be very careful. Um, most most – and I, I've run some ID camps. Um, typically when I'm running them, I'm inviting college coaches though um, as opposed to an ID co- camp at, uh, that's sponsored by a, a college or a university. I think those are the ones you kind of be, have to just be a little bit intelligent about. I think there's there's pluses and minuses and good and bad in all of them. Um, like, for example, if you know you want to go to XYZ college, I think going to their ID camp is a fantastic way. If you're going to a college ID camp because you, you're hoping to get recognized by college coaches, not sure if that's the best avenue because if you're going to college X, Y, and Z, uh, they're probably most likely they're going to be staffed by that one college. So if you're, if you're going there in hopes that you're going to get 20 different colleges and universities that are going to see you and recognize you, probably not the best way to go. Um, But if you know you want to go to that particular college, it's a great way to get familiar with the staff, get familiar with the facilities, get familiar with the dormitories, the food, the social aspects of that college. If, if you've got it narrowed down to that particular college, their ID camp is a great way to go. And I would highly recommend it. So there's good and bad. I got, I got a question for you. So, so coming from kids who, I mean, if you were a, a goalkeeper and you want to go to a big time school by grade 11, if you haven't been really in contact with that school and they're not pursuing you, you pretty much have a zero chance of going to that school, right? I mean, there, there's a seems a thing where these kids are like, Oh, I'm going to go to the, UCSB or Stanford ID camp, they can see me there. And it's like those schools are such top schools that they are pretty much looking to get whoever they want across the country. They're, they're fighting for every ODP kid or every kid who was a youth national team. And I think there's this kind of 
fantasy land that some kids and parents don't get where they think that by going to Wake Forest ID camp, they're going to be seen by the Wake Forest guys. But really, if Wake Forest isn't you know, currently pursuing you, you are not going to Wake Forest, right? Well, and- it's a bit of a shot in the dark. Um, it, it really is. Um, I think the easiest way to kind of go about it is if you want to go to the, the Wake Forest ID camp um, and you think you're going to go to Wake Forest, I think you got to be honest with yourself. Go online. Go on their website. Look at the players that are on their roster. Do the players that are on their roster, their bios look very similar to your bio. You know, if they're all youth national team players and you're a youth national team player, you know what? That could be a viable option for you. But if most of them are regional and youth national team players and you don't even know what the, the state team is or who's on your state team, it might be a little bit of a shot in the dark to get there. I'm not saying it's not going to happen because I was that player that didn't have a lot of uh, you know big credentials coming out of high school and was fortunate enough to go to a top 20 Division one college. So it can happen, but it, it could be a, a longer journey and a harder a harder journey. Do you think that's tougher? I mean, not, not to age all of us here, um, but do you think that's tougher now because of the Google and the internet and all those machines where people didn't have, like even when I was you know, being recruited, it's called back in 99, people didn't have the accessibility to, to be seen as much. So you were able to almost pull a walk on at a, a, the regional, I mean, by regional, not like a lower level, but like, you know, geographically regional college or university where they can see you and do that. Where now I feel because of the internet, because of Google, because of people having YouTubes and their videos on there and every recruiting company doing stuff, that it seems so much tougher to a situation like yours uh, to happen again. It, well, yeah, mm-hmm. I think it's not only just because of technology, it's also because there's more players, you know, yeah. there's more players playing these days than there was. So your, your, your competition for those, the same number of spots is greater. So, I mean, there's pretty much the same amount of institutions now than there was when I was coming through. Uh, in, don't in, say it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't, you don't need to. But, but that just means there's, there's more people competing for those same number of spots. So it's, it's, it's going to be a little bit more difficult. It's funny. This conversation sounds a lot like Trev has a kid that he wants to, uh, to push to certain colleges, and he's trying to encourage this kid to listen to what Todd has to say because he's not listening to what Trev has to say. No, hey, one of my kids, one of my girls just signed at Florida Gulf Coast on a full ride. Um, big six-foot-one uh, women's goalkeeper. She just missed the national team for U20. I'm still disgruntled about that. No, no, we, we pushed some good kids up here. I think it's and, – and, and, you know, to be honest, I'm like, you are right. I've had some kids who have been a little dreamy or I have kids who come to me in grade 12 and they go, I think I want to go down to the States and play. And you're like, yeah, that would have been great if we had this conversation two years ago. Um, Cause that's when you need to be on this. I think it's one of the big things for so many kids. And I, especially in Canada now where people are starting to get a little more on is you need to be proactive. If someone doesn't no, no one's going to find out who you are. If you don't tell them who you are, right. You need to be proactive on this. What grade nine, well, and it, it, I think it depends if you're a male or female as well, because in the female game, and I've coached in the female game with the youth national teams and the college game as well. The women's game in college is accelerated. The recruiting process is accelerated it's more huge. than oh, yeah. So you're looking at your, your top 10 Division One programs. If you're a sophomore and you're not in their database while your sophomore year, you're probably not going to go to that institution. I mean, you've got kids that are literally their freshman year. I, I was with the uh, 
the U14 national team uh, on numerous different camps. And we had kids that were making commitments that were part of that national team camp. You're talking 13-year-old kids that are making verbal commitments. Signing their life away. So it's very, very accelerated in the women's game, more so than in, than in the men's. But I think the, the thing you always have to keep in the back of your head is, yes, they're going to be recruiting you, but you've got to be recruiting those institutions just as much as them recruiting you. Because one, you're going to show that coach that you're vestly interested in their institution if you're the one in initiating the contact. You're picking up the phone and calling. You're sending emails, sending them updates. Somebody's doing that to me over and over again. After a while, I'm going to either say, you know what, please stop bothering me. I'm not interested. Or, you know what, I haven't looked at you yet, but you're so persistent. I'm now going to consciously make an effort to, to have a look at you at the next tournament. Okay, kids, real quick, that comment there is the best comment you're going to hear on this entire podcast. I've had so many kids go, oh, I emailed them my stuff, and they never got back to me. And my comment is, here's the deal. I've been there. I've coached university. Uh, I've done the university goalkeeper stuff where I've done the recruiting. I can't tell you how many emails get missed, how many emails get passed by, how many things. And I get so many kids that go, oh, but I emailed and never responded to me. And I go, here's the deal then. Do, do, they, do you owe them anything? No. Do they owe you anything? No. Are you too nervous that they might not like you? Well, maybe. Well, let them tell you that. Email them and email them and email them until they basically say, go away, we're not interested, or they go, fine, let me have a look. That is, Todd, that is the best comment you can say because that is the biggest truth I found in, in the college recruitment game. Well, or it's, it's that, that recruit, that player, not really knowing some of the NCAA rules because there's times where, depending on the age of that player, if they're not putting their age in the email, they might not be able to respond to them. It's true, but you can't call them. You can't call them, or you can't. So saying that they might not 100% understand the NCA rules because there's a lot of rules, and when they can contact you, when they can make contact, how they can respond, when they can respond, there's dead, there's dead periods. So, um, yeah, you, you've definitely got to be persistent. You know, recruit them just as much as you're going to rec- they're going to recruit you. This is this has been absolutely fascinating, and uh, we were going to call this a running a successful goalkeeper camp, but I feel like, honestly, play on words here. It's going to be one on one with Todd Hofford, uh, and not Omar, since Omar has said four. Omar could be taking a poop. I'm pretty sure Omar <laughs> walking his dog. Omar, Omar could be taking a poop. No, no, I'm just chilling. I'm just listening. Oh, okay. We we honestly thought I'm like I'm like oh Omar just left the microphone there, and he's like you know what he's like you, I hear the you, dog barking. I'm like, I literally to, thought you just took him for a walk. You wouldn't be able to know because he's got the cover on it. That's why he's got the cover on. So he we don't know what he's doing. We have no clue what he's doing. Uh, but you know who we do know who's got stuff going on is uh, the goalkeepers this weekend in MLS Cup. Do you see that terrible segue? Uh, so let's, let's move <laughs> on into the weekend goalkeeping because uh, obviously there's a lot of stuff to talk about. Let's talk about the uh, Atlanta United Portland Timbers, uh, which is not what I expected at the beginning of the season to be the the MLS final here, but the, but here we are. We got Brad Guzan versus Jeff Antonella. Uh, Guzan obviously and Jeff Antonella. We were talking about two people who had very different career paths. Um, what are we expecting from this game from both these keepers, guys? Uh, Todd, especially from you, since you see these guys. Uh, well, obviously, the the biggest thing I say I'm disappointed that we're not in it. Uh, you know, obviously, at the beginning of the year, I would have loved to say that hey, we'd be in the MLS kind of MLS Cup final. But um, <laughs> hey, uh, Atlanta's a good team. Portland's a good team. You know, we've played them both over the course of the season. We lost twice to Portland, um, and we we lost uh, 
in Atlanta. And I tell you, Atlanta is a very, very difficult venue to play in. Uh, 70,000, extremely loud. Uh, I can't even imagine what it's going to be like on Saturday in a final. It's a, it's a, I mean, I haven't been there yet, but it looks brilliant. Like the yeah. whole setup, it, it looks like it was designed incredibly yeah. well. Trev, yeah. Trev, I was there during the World Cup comedy tour. Not to. Hey, were you in the World Cup comedy tour? I was. I created the World <laughs> Cup comedy tour. Uh, hey, so... Omar, did you know Mike was in the World Cup comedy tour? I know we're all plugging our own stuff, but I think Mike, <laughs> take it easy, man. It's getting out of hand. No, no. I, I just wanted to say, though, the Mercedes Benz Stadium. <laughs> hey, when you were on with Ron the other day, did you tell him about the World Cup comedy tour? I did. I, shout out to Rhonda Marsh. Thanks for having me on Six Yard Box. Uh, that'll be out in a couple of weeks. Uh, we trust me. We will plug it uh, once it's on. Did Did you even happen to talk to Ron about my issues about him not feeling a professional person on our podcast? Uh, no, it's actually really funny. We We did talk a little bit, and he was he was telling me how much fun he enjoys listening to our podcast. Uh, and he was joking around how, how you say it's just a bunch of degenerates sitting around talking goalkeeping. And it he is. says, what makes it fun is that you guys are, <laughs> this is, this was my favorite part. He goes, you know, what's fun about it is that you guys are just all, you know, very high level goalkeepers who, pl- who played at the highest levels. And I'm like, well, let's not go that far. <laughs> uh, I did play in the premier league in Southern California's amateur division. But other than that, uh, let's, let's not go crazy. Hey, 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 hey. Number 32 in the program. Number one in my heart, Mike Madden. Uh, I had a killer game on Monday. I'm not gonna lie. You didn't get pulled from your over 35 seven aside. <laughs> Very funny. Uh, had some, some fantastic game, but like, let's uh, where, what are we talking about? Oh yeah. Mercedes Benz stadium. Uh, I was talking to Mitch Hildebrandt, uh, Atlanta United backup goalkeeper. And he says, you know, being down there on that field as, as Todd was attesting to. And, and I, I experienced it when, after Mitch told me is just, I've never seen anything like it in, in MLS with the 72,000 and for all-star game, it's, probably not even as passionate as it is for a regular season game, Todd, like, like you were talking about, um, you know, does that really, does the home field really influence, you know, you're an MLS coach, uh, the players that much, uh, obviously you guys had the situation LAFC where you guys came in and, and, and you had the upset win against them at, at home that nobody really expected, except for you guys who, who had that feeling coming in, which is fantastic. Um, at that level, is, does, does that really matter? Uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's always going to play into it, you know, going to anybody's home environment, whether there's 20,000 or 70,000, it's going to be a different, you're going to play differently than you, than you are in your home comfort zone. So yeah, your style of play is going to change a little bit, but when you're playing in front of 70,000 and it's deafening, uh, it, it's difficult. Uh, I'm not going to lie. I mean, you, when you're, you're struggling to hear the person 10, 15 yards from you and communicate with them. It, it's challenging. Um, you know, it's an intimidating environment when you walk into the stadium and where you walk in is literally behind their one goal where, I don't know, there's 15,000, whatever that, that stand holds. And the majority of those fans are already there yelling and screaming at you as you're walking in and you're not even going out for warmups. You're just literally walking in the stadium. That's a little intimidating. So, um, yeah, it's, it's a difficult place to play. It, it really is. Um, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's a great environment. I mean, obviously it's, it's very easy to get up for those games because you're playing in front of that. You don't see that every weekend. So from a player standpoint, yeah, you do. There is an excitement there to play as well. Um, I think the biggest challenging thing is it's, it's turf, you know, that's my biggest, if I would say there's a gripe of me about Atlanta, it's, it's a turf facility. Uh, I think everybody, uh, if, if they're honest with you, wants to play the, our game on, on grass. 
Um, you know, and it's from a goalkeeping standpoint, I never enjoy playing on turf. I don't like training on turf. Uh, at the end of the day, it's, it's hard. Um, so their turf is, is actually quite, quite decent, but at the end of the day, it's still turf. Still turf. Now, what, what, what about these two keepers though? Um, where do you see their strengths and weaknesses in this game? And who do you think has the, has the advantage, you know, taking the, uh, taking the crowd out of it, uh, taking the rest of the team out of it. Um, I've, I, you know, for, for a while, I wasn't, let's just say the biggest endorser of Brad Guzan. Um, you know, he's had his ups and downs, but he's been in fantastic form for Atlanta, uh, especially the second half of the season. Um, so, so what do you see happening here? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's difficult to say, uh, you know, which one's going to have the, the, the better match on the, on the day. But uh, when you're looking at the two goalkeepers, uh, you know, Brad Guzan, whether you like him or you don't like him, the guy's played in the premiership. He's got national team caps. He's played in big games before. So I think you've got to give the upper hand to him, you know, if, if you're a betting person. Um, not, take nothing away from Jeff Antonella. Uh, he's had a great year. Um, you know, he's a, he's a guy that I think all of us pull for the guy that's been that number two for many, many years. And he's been given his chance and he's taken any run with it. And, you know, those are the guys that I always, you know, want to root for. Um, but he's never been in this environment in an MLS cup final. So, um, I think it's, it's a challenging game for both of them with, with the attacking play of both teams. Um, it's it's definitely going to be an interesting match for for both of them. But you know, if I've got to choose one of who I would count on or who uh, I think Guzan with his experience, you, you got to look at him. That uh, you know, going into a you know MLS Cup final, he's got to have an upper hand. Yeah, no, I think uh, I think you're right on that, and it's it's going to be fun to see what happens uh, this Saturday, uh, where I think we're all expecting a great final. Uh, you were just bringing up the EPL and and Brad, obviously, you know, having that you know, solid career there. Um, so let's move into the EPL because I know Omar's chomping at the bit because I don't know, Todd, I know, I know you're not the big technology guy, but Omar's Instagram is literally filled with memes all weekend long, breaking down plays in, in the <laughs> top three leagues in Europe consistently over and over again. So let's talk about the big midweek matchup uh, between Arsenal and Man U uh, being played in the rain, which for them is not uncommon for us out here you know, we would never, we would ever blame it all on the weather. It was all on the weather. Uh, let's talk about David De Gea and uh, the slip up uh, in the first half, the ball uh, off the bounce. Um, you know, in, personally, in my opinion, uh, he was trying to do the arm swing. His shoulders were back behind the post. It kind of threw his, his shape, his starting shape was off on that one. And I think that because of the, because of the weather, because of the movement of the ball, that's, that's what caused the, the slight, uh, deflection of the ball off his hands like that. Uh, Omar, professor goalkeeping, what do you say? Uh, no, no, I think I mean, I'm an Arsenal fan, so thank you for that one, De Gea. Um, but um, when it comes down to it, I think one of the sessions we had this past week, the goalkeepers and I were just talking about like... With your USL goalkeepers? Uh, yes. <laughs> we're just talking about what you try to catch, what you try to hold, or what you try to hold and what you try to push away. And, uh, you know, in training, we always try and drill the keepers, you know, catch as much as you can catch. And then, you know, in the games, it's like not as realistic. And I think that's definitely a, was apparent with De Gea's one. I think it got to a point where I think he probably could have just tipped it over the bar instead of trying to hold it. And it really stretched him to his fullest, you know, to, to, to the max. And it, uh, it, it somehow, you know, trickled into the goal. And then, uh, 
we we got the goal on that one. But I think that one probably easy. Wait, we we got we got the goal on that one. <laughs> Arsenal, but I think if you would have just tipped it over the bar, I think that would have just been you know corner kick. You never know what happens after a corner kick, but still just tip it over the bar. And I mean, if young kids watching. Uh, I mean, damn, he made a, a, a terrible mistake in the first minute, but you see the rest of the game, he had two or three amazing saves that kept Man U in the game. So, again, uh, De Gea, I don't know why he makes it so difficult for himself. He starts games off a little slow and then, you know, picks it up towards the end. But uh, it's unfortunate in Mourinho's system, too, when you're if you're playing defensive all the time and then all of a sudden you give up a goal, it's, like, hard to turn it back on and go offensive. But he's doing he's doing well. He did a, he had a good, uh, good, end, good finish to the game yesterday, so I'm, I'm happy for him. That, that top hand save was absolutely tremendous. Uh, Unreal, in, yeah. In the second half. Unreal on Obama Yang. That was a bullet that Obama Yang hit, too. Um, you know, and I, I love seeing that because I, I, I stress that top hand technique to my keepers all the time, uh, especially the longer, taller ones who tend to at the younger <laughs> ages try to try to go with that lower hand and, and don't understand the, the flight of the ball and the height of the ball in those situations. And I, I made a save a like that on Monday. Game. Love I, good twist your body put your lower hand top corner, you know, technically bad technique, say big fan, big fan. (laughs) (laughs) With the shoulder back, uh, shoulder back to twist over the top. Oh, love it. Uh, Todd, Todd's used to those all the time at the uh, RSL Academy. No, no, he's not. They, they have good technique there, right? Todd. We we try the best we can. (laughs) (laughs) My favorite is like, uh, Todd goes, he's like, yeah, we got some, some young kids here. Uh, I mean, really athletic, uh, you know, coming into their own technically. <laughs> so, um, no, I mean, you know, hey, uh, it, it's a sloppy game. It, it's a messy game. But, yeah, when you see things like that, it's, it's a great coachable moment. And uh, I had a save like that on Monday. Do you see, look at that. I'm actually saying something positive about myself as a goalkeeper. Uh, I'm very <laughs> proud of that save uh, from Monday. Uh, bounced off my face, though. It, top hand and, and then right off my face after that. But um, that's well, a weird thing. He's out. Doesn't yeah, matter. Exactly. Um, but let's um, – Let's talk about the Liverpool Everton game. You were talking about when to when to parry over the bar and when to hold on to the bar. Uh, the Van Dyke uh, clear up uh, in the 95th minute, I believe it was um, for uh, in, in Everton Liverpool. Uh, that that ball was played up from Van Dyke, and then uh, it was just a weird movement, and it was floating and floating and floating. And Pickford, it was just very difficult to read, and uh, I, I feel bad for him in that situation. And Omar, you you put up a really good post on instagram about that for kids to hear didn't you uh yeah i did i think uh see i pay attention (laughs) with that i think he probably should just tip it over the bar live to see another day uh just i mean there's no reason for him to try and catch that again it did spin very awkwardly and it fell perfectly (laughs) to origi right in front of goal but still tip it over the bar uh give him a corner kick doesn't really matter probably would have called the game anyways like um, probably 10 seconds left but um but yeah, I probably would have just tipped it over the bar and given him a corner and just go from there. Yeah, see, uh, and uh, and Trev's kid ag- agrees with uh, <laughs> with uh, with your with your assessment right there. Um, you know, you know, Todd, what are your feelings on this? I mean, you you coach at a, at a higher level than we do. Yeah, um, I mean, it's you know, obviously, I didn't see the whole game. Uh, it's it's our off season, so you know, I'm doing a lot of video and and preparations for the preseason, but, and spending a lot of time with my family, but I did see all the highlights for these. And when you look at just the highlights, yeah, I mean, it's, it's easy to say, oh man, he should have just tipped it over the bar. And yeah, he probably should have, you know, we all make mistakes, uh, you know, but those in those split second decisions you got to make, you know, he, he's got to live with the decision he made. He probably would change it if he could, but 
I, I think it just proves that goalkeepers at the top level are still going to make bad decisions. They're still going to make mistakes. And I, I think the, the telltale sign for him is what's he going to be like on Saturday? Yeah. You know, yeah. is, is he going to dwell on the fact that he made a mistake and it cost him a game, uh, you know, against their arch rival? Or is he going to come out in the next game and be like, you know what, I'm going to prove my worth. And, uh, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to go out and have a flyer. Uh, he did play well yesterday. He played yesterday. He did really, really well. Yeah. And, you know, that's the mark yeah. of a top-level goalkeeper. You know, be able to put a period on the end of the sentence and keep on going. And the next time they, they have to make a decision or, or make a save, you know, they're, they're doing the right thing. Because I think young goalkeepers have to, have to realize you're going to make mistakes. It doesn't matter if you're 10, 12, or if you're a 25-year-old pro making $80 million a year. You're going to make mistakes. I think youth coaches need to hear that too, because uh, as we know, as goalkeeper coaches, youth coaches tend to be a little bit harder on their goalkeepers than they, they the really should be. Yeah. Oh, my goalkeeper got chipped from 40 yards. Yeah, you're playing a full-size net and they're five feet tall. Absolutely, <laughs> they got chipped. But and that's they, But they saw it coming for like four seconds. They can't touch the crossbar. Did you want them to go get a ladder and climb up? Like, what exactly are you asking? Like, yeah. well, how can they save it next time? And they can't until they grow. That's a great point, Trevor, and I think that's where a lot of young youth goalkeeper coaches, as well as outfield coaches, not just – I don't want to pigeonhole just goalkeeper coaches, um, because you'll go on any given field on a Saturday, and you'll hear a coach screaming at a goalkeeper to play out of the back, to uh, command their six-yard box, you know, a lot of different phrases. You know, and they're getting their information from the Premiership game or the Bundesliga game that they just watched – the day before and they're expecting their 12, 13, 14, 15 year old goalkeeper to do the same thing that they're watching that premiership goalkeeper, that Bundesliga goalkeeper, that international goalkeeper do on a Saturday. And that's not fair. That's like saying the third, third grade teacher that's trying to teach their um, kids addition and subtraction and division is getting so frustrated why they don't understand quantum physics. Well, physically and mentally, they're not ready and prepared to deal with quantum physics yet. And it's the same sort of thing with the young goalkeeper. You know, they're, they're, they're seeing a, a top-level pro command their box and make decisions, and they're expecting that 12- and 13-year-old to do the exact same thing. And it's not realistic. So I think you've got to make sure that you understand what level you're coaching and what the expectations are from that, that player within that age group. Yeah, I think you bring up a, a very valid point. And uh, speaking of the development of the goalkeeper, I want to talk about, you were talking about younger goalkeepers and 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 understanding the game. Um, you've got a young guy over at RSL that you've been having trained with the first team and uh, is, you know, now signed a homegrown contract, uh, uh, David Ochoa, uh, who's actually from the SoCal area, but was out of residency at RSL. And... Um, you know, I think one of the things is that the reason that probably he's succeeded is that you've been allowing him to make those mistakes, even training with the first team players, because you're not expecting the same level from him as you are from from Nick, let's say, who's got that experience, you know, playing playing at that speed of play, playing at that at that level. And you're letting him learn and say, you know what, this environment's going to be great for him I, I, and, I, and we can push him, but at the same time also guide him so that he doesn't feel completely frustrated that that he's out of his element right yeah and, and it's not even just on the soccer side too it's 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 outside you know he's got to learn how to be a day-to-day -day pro uh before you can be a top level pro you got to learn what what it's like from day one you know how to train you know what's your mentality you know how to take care of yourself 
Um, so yeah, we, we've signed David. Uh, he's had a, he's had a great career up to this point. He's with the U twenties right now, uh, which just down in and actually played in one of the qualifiers, uh, two weeks ago in Florida. Uh, and he's a very, very good young prospect. Um, he's got a long way to go. My conversation with the day after he signed was, this is step one. You know, don't think all of a sudden you signed a pro contract and you've made it. You know, this is step one. Uh, my conversations with him next week are going to be, uh, you know, sitting him down and saying, look, this is what your first year is going to look like. Yes, you've done extremely well. You're very athletic, but there is pieces of your game that we've got to fine tune. Uh, we've got to make sure that you're a lot more technically sound. Um, so when you're, you're making those split second decisions, you know, you're able to hold the ball or control the ball a little bit more or control your body a little bit more uh, in case there are mistakes because uh, he's going to make mistakes and, and we're allowing him to make them. Um, you know, I think the biggest thing for him is trying to soak up as much Nick Romano as he possibly can. You know, mm -hmm. Nick's been there, done that. You know, I don't think he's got a, a better person to learn from and get advice from and watch habits from than Nick, uh, because Nick is a, is a top model pro. Uh, he comes to work every day and it's business. And I think for somebody like, you know, David Ochoa at 17, 18 years old, years old to be training side by side with somebody that's what, what an opportunity, huh? What an incredible opportunity that he'll look back on later on and be like, I, I mean, I hope he has a come like I owe a lot of my success. I hope, I hope he's quite successful to my tutelage, not just from the man Todd Hofford, but from being able to train with a guy like Nick Raimondo in my very developmental years, that transition from the youth game to the, the senior pro game. I mean, what a, what a great role model. And besides that, Nicky's a, a great guy, really good person, uh, someone who's willing to be a, a mentor. Uh, it's, it's quite a, a great opportunity for him. It, it is. And that, that, what you just said is, is a really key component of everything is Nicky embraces that. You know, not every not every goalkeeper or, or player, for that matter, wants to be that mentor, wants to kind of take somebody under the wing. Uh, sometimes they're just concerned about themselves, and that's totally fine. But Nicky's not that person. You know, Nicky's he wants to help that next generation, and he's willing to do so and answer questions and give advice. Um, and that's something that him and I have talked about, and I've I've basically told him, look, I want you to be that. I don't want to be the one that's constantly trying to push all the buttons. I want it to come from you because if it comes from Nick sometimes, that's going to have more meaning than it's coming from me, especially from the younger generation. Uh, and he's willing to do that for not just David, you know, uh, coming down and, and talking to all the academy goalkeepers. Because at the end of the day, they don't see me on a Saturday. They see Nick. They see Nick in, in goal. So Nick's the one that they're looking up to. So if he's got something to say, uh, it's going to have a lot of power. Uh, and we're, we're very fortunate to have him here. You know, that, that's awesome. And now obviously, you know, David, he did, or David, is it David or David? How does he pronounce it? Does David. he, he says, he says, David. Okay. Omar, are you actually there? <laughs> yeah, I am. I'm listening. Yeah. Are you just he's having just, a day off? Are you just, no, saying? he's infatuated. He's infatuated with the talk. Um, I don't like, I don't like interrupting people and I like listening. So I, I, I like the exact opposite. I love to interrupt and I like hearing my own voice. The thing is, I'm also very terrible. Like I have an idea in my head and I start talking and it just kind of goes, I'm better when I write. So I don't want to ruin this podcast by me talking. So I'm just going to go ahead and just sit back and listen. Omar, I ruin every podcast. It's kind of what I do. <laughs> I edit you out. Don't worry. Okay, good call. Good call. Um, so anyway, David chose not to go to college. He chose to sign a homegrown deal. Um, 
here's the here's the state of NCAA men's soccer, in, in my opinion, um, because a lot of guys are signing elite domestic players are signing homegrowns um, or choosing to go overseas and, and go the pro route rather than than stay in school. The majority of the elite programs now are going with foreign talent, and that can be shown in the final four coming up this weekend, which is Akron, Michigan State, um, uh, Indi- Indiana. You know, we've got, we got a lot of the powers, Maryland. Um, uh, ben Lunt, uh, ben Lunt uh, over at Akron is a, a 6'6 uh, a German kid uh, who's on the older side. Um, Todd and I, we talked about this a little bit off air yesterday the the influx of the foreign goalkeeper uh into the ncaa men's game uh what are your thoughts on that and how does that affect the domestic keeper and their development and not from a xenophobic standpoint just in regards to just the reality of the new men's games yeah i mean i think it's a testament to college soccer you know where it's growing and the level is getting very very good it's attracting more foreign players here as a as a land of opportunity than it has been in the past uh, obviously, I'm a little bit biased to the American goalkeeper. Um, you know, I I, I want to see American goalkeepers get um, the chance to play in their own backyard. Huge point, and there's so many good players. There's there's a ton of them, and it's it's arguably, um, in my opinion, it's the most established positional player that the Americans have have ever produced. Absolutely, no um, no question on that one. So it's it's difficult to say. Yeah, I love the fact that foreign goalkeepers are coming in to take opportunities away. I mean, obviously, I've, uh, I'm USA, red, white, and blue till I die. Uh, you know, I, I don't want to see players. But again, I think it's a testament to the college game. It's it's getting to the point where it's it's good enough. It's attracting a lot more foreign players to play here. Omar, you had an international in goal this year, didn't you? We did, yeah. I mean, it's funny that now that I'm part of uh, uh, just kind of like the college scene and as a coach now, it's just so many foreign uh, people send us emails. So you have keepers from Germany, from Denmark, and just all over the world. So, yeah, it is more attractive. But I don't know. It's, it's, it was different. This year, our, our goalkeeper is Danish, and uh, he just has – I mean, his feet are very, very well developed, both right and left foot. He can hit a side volley right and left foot. His technique is, I don't say superior, but it's, I don't know how to explain it. They, they get taught very well in Europe. So for oh, well, them, how, how old is he? He's probably 20, I think, 21. And it's his first year? No, it's just that he's transferred. Oh, okay. He's transferred, yeah. And he's pretty good, man. So, I mean, I think a lot of these guys are seeing the opportunity that, that uh, MLS is providing as well. And a lot of these guys, if they don't get, signed by their local team or they don't get signed by university and they're in their uh, in their hometown back in the day i think that was a lost cause their careers are done but now like they've seen the prosperity of some of their uh, german goalkeepers like even see the english english goalkeeper at stanford he had a great year and you see these guys coming here they're having great success so i think it's definitely a precedent that's being set and i think for the future they're going to be uh more and more coming to the u.s to do that is he no he but would he be on a full ride coming over I don't know. I haven't talked to him about money, to be honest with you. Um, but he was at a pretty good Mercyhurst, I think it is, like a D2 in uh, the East Coast. And then he came here at Cal State LA. So he's, he's doing pretty well. And uh, I don't know what his, what his money situation is like, but came in as a starter. He got first team All-American. So I don't know. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. First team All-American. He broke the conference record and shut out. Like, it was just a, it was a great year. So, so far, it's, it's looking good for him. We, uh, we were talking about uh, earlier, talking about uh, kids being realistic and their chances. And obviously, you know, the influx of, of, of 
of goalkeepers, international goalkeepers coming into the college game makes it much more competitive at all the different levels. But let's just look at this right now. The final four for men, two out of the four starting number ones in in the final four are are, are internationals. Um, so, and then the other one is is a, a U.S. Uh, national team keeper, and then and then and then you got a then you got Jimmy so hog over over at, uh, at Michigan State University, who is still also a very high level goalkeeper. So the competition is very high. Um, Trev, have you seen Dane St. Clair at Maryland at all, uh, Canadian International? No. You haven't? Okay. Who? Right. Uh, Dane St. Clair, the goalkeeper at, at Maryland, uh, who's a Canadian uh, Youth International. Shall we sing the rundown, man? What's going on? Yeah. Yo, I, did, <laughs> I didn't bring the rundown today. I was just, you know, like I said, I woke up and jumped on this. <laughs> yeah, he's a six six four kid at Maryland. I think he's a sophomore. Uh, Canadian uh, Youth International uh, plays plays at Maryland in the in the Final Four this week. Uh, I figured you would have known a lot about him. Uh, that's okay. We we'll move on uh, from, from there. Um, you, you move on. All right, it's getting a little crazy here. I, we've had Todd on for man. This might be our longest podcast ever. What has this been? Three hours? <laughs> How long have we been on? It's been about it's been a while. It's been, it's, wrap it up, wrap it up. it's a shutdown. It's been good. I'll be out of sports for life. Uh, Todd, great having you no, on. No, we're not, we're not, we're not going to wrap up that quickly. Jeez, Trev. I mean, I know you got your kid here and everything like that, but uh, you can, yeah, you I'll, can I'll stay I'll with us all, all day if you let me. <laughs> I know. I mean, I'll, I'll talk about this all day too. So before we video of number nines and all kinds of different things before, uh, before we wrap up here um, again, shout out to, to Rhonda Mars at six yard box. That interview will be coming out in a couple of weeks. He wants all of you guys uh todd if you ever want to get on more goalkeeping podcasts and that's what you how you want to spend your days in the off season hit up ron uh as ron's hilarious because he's like i'll just let you talk the whole time i'm not interesting i'm like okay well that that's not a good recipe for me trust me um (laughs) if you want to reach out to you and they want to know more about one-on-one soccer what you're doing at rail salt lake uh how to get involved at the rsl academy um how to get your their kid looked at uh, where can they reach you? Uh, you basically give me a contact here at, at RSL. Uh, it's just thopperd at rsl.com is my email here. Uh, for all my camps and things, that's just one-on-one-soccer.com. That's all spelled O-N-E-O-N-O-N-E-soccer.com. Uh, but, yeah, anything regards to, to RSL, feel free to drop me an email. I'd be more than happy to answer any questions. I'm always a little bit biased to the goalkeeper, so I'd talk goalkeeping all day if you guys would let me. Yeah, I mean, I, I will too. At some point, I have to go train in the gym, uh, so don't, I don't feel like a waste of space myself personally. Um, because I didn't get to train last night because it was raining, and you know how it is in, in LA. If it rains, whoa! I just got a, a weird spam thing come through on my computer. That's well, a, true, a true goalkeeper, though, Michael. You <laughs> out there all day long in it. That's that's my favorite time to train. Yeah, no, no, that, it's it's fun. But uh, but uh, tell that to uh, LA Parks and Recreation. That uh, that say it's drizzling. You can't do this. This is gonna liability. Someone's gonna tear something. We don't we don't want to deal with that. Um, Omar, if people want to reach out to you, where can they reach out to you? Uh, Pro GK Academy underscore Pro GK Academy two on Instagram, then YouTube. I have my series going right now. Check that out as well. Uh, and Trev, where can people reach out to you? Obvious Sports, baby. TS at Obvious Sports Podcast at Obvious Sports. Go on the website, buy some gloves, buy some stuff. Let my did, did, did we take care, did we take care of Jared, um, uh, Cody and uh, and Dylan? Did you? Ah, uh, yes. Those uh, emails went out. 
Oh, fantastic. Good stuff. So, th so thanks guys for doing that. Uh, you missed it earlier, Trev, but uh, anybody who uh, sends out, uh, because I didn't know if you were going to be able to get on, uh, they're going to get a free World Cup comedy t uh, tour scarf. Yeah, they are. Yeah. yeah. They, they subscribe and they write a review and they send a screenshot, please. Uh, again, I can't see the Canadian ones, uh, so you got to send me I. a screenshot. Oh, yeah. You should see the Canadian ones, can't you? You should be Not able if to. if I don't look. That's amazing. That's, <laughs> exactly. That's incredible. Uh, you can reach me at LA Goalkeeping Academy on all social media platforms or michaelmagidcomedy.com for non- uh, goalkeeping related. I know that sounds so weird and awkward. Or at littlemike.littlemike.com. No, that, that actually is probably a website you should not go on to. I'm guessing that, that that's probably <laughs> a blocked website in, in some areas. Um, uh, that's all the time we got on Inside the 18. Next week, guys, we got comedian Andy Haynes to talk about uh, the animated series The Champions and, and why goalkeepers are so hilarious. Uh, we'll see you guys next time. Later. Peace, love. Later. I'll give you a show later on, okay? Right, thank you. Bye.